0: Welcome to the IBSI Views podcast. This is Gaia Lamperti. And today we are joined by Pierce Marais, Product Director at Currency Cloud, a global payment solutions
1: company. Hey, Gaia. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for joining us. Lovely. I'm very excited today because we are discussing the latest piece of research by Currency Cloud, which is a report on bundling finance. Piers, maybe you can start by telling us a bit more about the research process and the aim
1: behind this study. Perfect. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so Currency Cloud, as, as you said, just to set the scene, is a, a leading provider of embedded and global cross border transactions. We, as Currency Cloud, Um, and as a brand sort of aim to back the industry through that sharing of of expertise and and that that information share. Um, And we saw a gap really for this information um, amongst our clients and and really amongst the wider market. I suppose the intention of this whole process was really to to provide a statistically significant bit of research that perhaps business leaders amongst our clients and, and amongst the wider market could use to make better informed decisions about their own global strategies and and sort of find different ways to to fulfill their growth ambitions. As part of that process of making it statistically significant, we reached out to over 10,000 consumers, over 500 business leaders um, across the UK, Europe, US, and parts of APAC, really to to talk about this this concept of elastic bundling. And perhaps it's worth just defining what what, what that actually means, what that phenomenon actually means. Uh, Bundling really is that process of of companies offering a, a full service, a suite of financial services within that one offering. And unbundling really is the opposite. It's it's where companies specialize in a, a niche offering, perhaps of maybe one or two products, but really focus on making them slicker, easier to use, simpler for the customer, sometimes cheaper as well. And and I suppose this this concept has been in knocking around for, for decades. Mark and often quotes um the, the former CFO from Netscape, who said that there are only two ways to make money in business, it's through bundling or unbundling. Um, but really I think the, the, the phenomenon of elastic bundling um, is really comes back to that analogy of the, the rubber bands that can, can stretch and snap back. And it's that process over a period of time of an industry moving from a, a phase of bundling. a phase of unbundling and and back and forth over time and and really that was the concept that we wanted to speak to as I said both consumers and business leaders about um, to try and find out their their take on on the elastic bundling process or phenomenon and to then provide business leaders with that data that insight and um, information to hopefully help them craft their strategies going forward
0: brilliant seeing the, the extent of the research I imagine you guys got a vast array of answers And looking at some of the findings, I noticed that, you know, while one in four customers, so just about the 24% of them, they they prefer to buy financial products and services from a single company. Financial services themselves, whether it's banks or fintech challengers, they see themselves as a one-stop shop. It was, if I remember correctly, about 88% of them answering this way. So why there's this discrepancy? How did you guys you know, explain the reasoning behind these two different points of view?
1: Great question. You know, It is really quite a stark discrepancy between those two numbers. And especially if you add to that the number of consumers who would prefer to buy from multiple providers, not just the one, I think that number rises to over 40%. So two in five of us are actually saying we would prefer not to buy. From, from a single supplier and, and sort of spread those services. For me, I think this really comes back to the fact that the bundling market is really, really wide open, that there's been no single brand or player that's kind of brought out a proposition that's captured the attention, the minds, the, the, the imaginations, let's say, of, of customers within these particular regions. Look, arguably, there is an exception in China where there is uh, something different going on there. But I think there is, uh, at least in, in the US and UK and Europe, we don't see a clear sort of market leader that's, that's having emerged from that. And actually, there was another stat within the report that said that 75% of us as consumers um, were then unlikely to switch or didn't know whether they would switch between different providers. So we've got this contrast between the views of consumers and the views of business leaders, but we've also got this contrast within consumers themselves that say they would prefer to, in general to have multiple providers, and yet three-quarters of us aren't willing to switch. And perhaps there is some element of one playing into the other here where business leaders are seeing that they have this captive audience. People aren't churning. They are retaining those customers across their platforms and therefore thinking that they actually have that consistent one-stop shop that is providing the full suite of services to customers. But in actual fact, it is really about customers at this point still not taking that leap into perhaps the unknown, into a new supplier uh, and, and taking that switch. Just sort of anecdotally, I was, I was talking to my colleague uh, yesterday about this process, and we were talking about the fact that there needs to be some kind of trigger point for a consumer to really to make that switch. What is that difficult, painful event that causes them to to switch from one supplier to the other despite the fact that they say they're happy to work or would prefer to work with with multiple suppliers and his example was him losing a mobile phone he regained he, he got a new iphone and was then trying to log back into his banking apps which were you know one of the first things that he he tried to do and the two that appeared were HSBC and Starling bank with HSBC he tried to get back into the app eventually he had to call customer services and was then asked to go into a branch to be able to get back into his, his own accounts within the application. Compare that to Starling Bank, for example, who's one of our customers. And he was able to record a, a short video message that was then digitally sort of scanned and verified and allowed him to get back into the app within five minutes. And it's, it was that trigger point of him losing, an, losing a phone and getting a new one where it causes a consumer to say, actually, there is some pain here. There's some friction Now is the point to to switch over. And perhaps there haven't been enough of those trigger points yet. Perhaps, you know, some of the larger maybe uh, traditional financial institutions are still relying on a sense of inertia. Dare I say a a sort of a laziness maybe at a consumer level um, or just a lack of those trigger events that have caused someone to really make that switch to an alternative supplier.
0: I'm really glad you mentioned that, geez. especially because, you know, among those factors, sometimes there's also lack of trust or not knowing the name of the alternative provider. I was reading a few days ago in, in another report that sometimes one of those triggers you were mentioning is recognizing a brand that you know affiliated with that financial product. And that could become the reason why you try or eventually shift
1: to the new provider. And again, that was, you know, one of the facts of the, the stats that we pulled out of that report is that trust and security, confidence within your supplier is one of the key reasons why a consumer would switch. So that that totally makes sense and and resonates.
0: And even within the financial services industry, there is a a slight difference in the way traditional banks and traditional financial institutions see themselves because about 94% of them said they are a one-stop shop, whereas just 80% of fintech challengers see themselves as one. So how would you read this data and do you believe that fintechs have eventually a better chance
1: of meeting customers need again great question we we talk about this concept a lot within currency cloud and we service banks and fintechs in equal measure and so this is obviously a, a conversation that comes up quite frequently i think personally i come back to the fact that the financial services industry is a very, very large pie. You know, we're talking about an industry that's estimated to reach over $22 trillion in terms of worth by the end of this year. Global GDP is expected to reach just over $90 trillion. So we're talking about a financial services industry that makes up a quarter of the world's kind of output and economies. In my mind, that means there is plenty of space, actually, for banks and for fintechs, both to survive and indeed to thrive. And I think it then it comes back to this idea of of consumer choice. Not everyone wants to have their services provided by a bank or indeed a fintech. Not everyone wants to have all of their services bundled into one solution or unbundled across multiple solutions. And, it really comes back to, I suppose, from a, from a business lens, that idea of customer centricity, of customer focus. It's about being customer driven across the entire business. And I guess having that business agility to be able to respond to different customers' needs over times. Jeff Bezos from Amazon is famously quoted as saying that the one thing that I love about customers is that they are divinely discontent and that their expectations are never static. They always go up. And, and I think this is the, the key part of it for, for both banks and fintechs alike, for, for both bundled providers and un- unbundled providers. It comes back to this customer focus, relentless customer focus, and then the ability as a business to be agile, to be able to adapt to whatever those changing customer needs are. Um, over time.
0: And in this landscape, do you believe that this new trend or ambition of the financial super app, we were mentioning China before, and in in Asia in general, super apps are are a big thing. Probably they started in the e-commerce space, but now it feels like fintech especially is jumping on, on the trend. Do you believe this is a sort of response to these perceptions
1: around bundling? So, so I would say that the super app is actually just one manifestation of this elastic bundling phenomenon in general. Just actually, this morning I was on my way to work and I was playing around while my phone was offline with the NatWest app and the Revolut app, just comparing sort of their approach to this idea of super app. One is a high street bank; the other is arguably a newer player, but doing very, very well in parts of UK or UK and Europe and, and other parts of the world. In both of these applications, there were lots of mini apps, actually, within one of the pages that allowed me to go and do different things. NatWest you know, points you to mortgages and to savings and to loans. Revolut points you to things like cryptocurrency trading and, and now even being able to book hotel and accommodations. So they are both taking this concept of a, of a super app and perhaps positioning it from a slightly different angle in both cases. I think the key difference for me was the way in which both apps allow you to do different things at different times. Revolut allows you to complete that entire journey from within the app. They use your digital identity that's already there to allow you to proceed through the journey of other types of services within their app with far, far more ease than the case of, of NatWest this morning, who points me to another website where I have to re in and enter in sort of details again. So... I think it really, again, comes back to the, the way that these different types of applications are, are and services are being offered, again, from a, from a bundled perspective and coming back to that idea of, of customer centricity, bringing that back to the idea of convenience, actually, that again, in our report, consumers said they, they really sort of call out as the most important factor when considering a, a bundled service or versus something different.
0: Yes and that's absolutely something we should be glad of as both consumers and industry insiders brilliant so at the very beginning Pierce you mentioned how daddy spends across different countries and regions globally did you find some trends some traces in different areas of the world when it comes to bundling and bundling and customers preferences
1: so I think for me, what stood out was the fact that the views from the consumers were actually broadly similar across the different regions with a few you know, variations here and there, probably as expected. But when you look at the reality of what's actually happening in those markets, you see very, very different results. You know, We mentioned China a few minutes ago, Alipay, WeChat, arguably are two of the most well-known bundled services globally, perhaps, despite the fact that predominantly they are offered to that domestic Chinese market. And again, going back to a point um, that we touched on a few minutes ago, we don't see that sort of leading provider having emerged in, in other countries around the world necessarily. We are starting to see that in parts of Southeast Asia, parts of Asia Pacific, but definitely in the UK, um, US, Europe, we we don't see that same sort of change, fundamental change happening. And and there's probably a f- few reasons for why that has happened in China specifically versus not in other parts of the world. One is probably about that sort of leapfrogging in in China or over the telephone straight to a smartphone world where smartphone content creators were then innovating in a way that their counterparts in the Western world perhaps were not. Second is probably around data laws. There are very, very different sort of rules and regulations that businesses in the US, the UK, Europe have to adhere to that don't really yet exist in the same way in China. And the third thing is that the Chinese domestic market is colossal. The number of end users of WeChat and Alipay are a billion each. The number of people within within that one country alone is greater than the populations of the US, the UK and Europe combined. So we're seeing this sort of fragmentation, let's say, across especially the Eurozone of different languages, different cultures, different traditions, different rules and regulations, different policies being made at at a a financial level or at even um, at a governmental level that probably has hindered some of this this journey towards this one bundled super app um perhaps within you know the US the UK and Europe but that has Allowed that to, to really sort of flourish within China. It'll be interesting to see that journey um, you know, over the coming months and years, how that phase of unbundling that we saw sort of post the 2008 financial crisis is now leading into a phase of, of rebundling. Again, Revolut, a client of ours, is, is doing an absolutely stellar job at providing this super app concept to um to all of their customers and and that growing customer base so it will be really really interesting to see exactly where this course goes over the the coming months and years
0: that's so interesting and and actually makes a lot of sense in conclusion i would like to ask you more practical not even advice but um, perspective or opinion on how financial services should probably rethink what their sales tactics have been so far when it comes to communicating the benefits of bundling. And even before we were mentioning how customers now cannot be combined into big categories anymore because they have very specific and different preferences and habits and behaviors. So how can the industry take these important points into consideration and rethink the way we communicate the Sort of
1: services and products uh, we provide okay good question so i i'm not a salesperson directly I, i'm in the product team but i'll give you my my product take on this um which perhaps hopefully feeds into the sales team from from time to time as well i think the key thing for me here is that when thinking about money it's a really emotive subject money and financial services is something that we at least in the uk don't really sort of talk about openly talk about enough but individually, we all know we're feeling that pain when something in our financial lives isn't quite working or it's slow or it's expensive or doesn't meet the, the new needs that we have, I guess, in this, this global digital economy. And when we think then about the, the absolute sort of most phenomenal products within our lives, you know, an Uber or the iPhone or Amazon, Dyson, Tesla, or any of these huge brands, they all are taking away some level of pain, of frustration and friction in the job that we are trying to do as an individual with Uber. I'm trying to get from A to B, probably because I've missed the last tube or train home, but I'm trying to get from A to B and the payment is a result of doing that. The mortgage and house buying processes is another perfect analogy here where my intention, my dream is to buy this brand new house. The mortgage is a result Of that process. And and it's not something that I necessarily want to have to do. It's almost like a a necessary evil in achieving the thing that I I want to do, which is purchasing that house. And so for me, it comes back to, again, the customer, the focus on the customer. And and hopefully this can then be incorporated in any sort of sales tactics. For me, it's about the, the best financial services, whether bundled or unbundled. And probably it's the ones that will thrive and not just survive Are the ones that come back to focusing on the customer, really understanding that raw emotion that is inherent within that concept of money or or financial services, understanding what specific job that customer actually needs to be doing and why, and then trying to take away any of that friction and frustration that exists in the process. Ultimately, that is what will probably be the set of trigger points that uh, forces those or entices those customers to actually switch to something that is better, slicker, faster, cheaper, easier to use, but but then also retains them within that ecosystem. Again, whether it's bundled or unbundled, for many businesses, it will come back to customer retention that ultimately leads to, to, to revenue and being able to, to keep customers and keep them happy. Will continue to be an absolutely crucial core, I think, of of business tactics and and hopefully in business strategy going forward.
0: Brilliant, brilliant answers, Pierce, Product Director at Currency Cloud. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks very much, Kai. Thanks for having me.